It, it, it really, doesn't feel it, like we're in the off season, though. Even though it no. does feel like all of the drivers like disappeared, I feel like there was enough moments throughout the season that teams and drivers like went dark because there was like F1 spring break and then like summer break where it seemed like drivers and admins were really prioritizing their mental health and like you know shutting off so like good for them but it, that's kind of just what it feels like right now um it really felt like yeah it felt like everyone took like a long weekend and then all of a sudden in the last 48 hours we got like too much news at once and i was like whoa okay got it for a while there our show outline only had logan returns for 2024 on it and there was no other news and now we actually have other things to talk about that all happened in about the last 36 to 48 hours 100 percent, yeah show with gridwalk this week was like we were like wow this is why people go dark during the off season but then Monday happened, and then Tuesday happened, and now we're here, and surprise, we have an outline for a show to talk about. All right, on today's show, what is that news? Well, F1 gave us kindling to an already existing fire, where we get to be mad about the sprint races, but now for 2024! They announced the 2024 sprint calendar, they gave us some interesting quotes we're going to fact check in a press release. Uh, and of course, there are rumors continuing about a reverse grid and what that would mean for the points of the entire weekend. So we're going to give our reaction to all of that as well. Not only are we supposed to get a new name for AlphaTauri, but we learned in the last week that there's going to be a new title sponsor and new name. Well, we knew about the new name, but there should be a new title sponsor for formerly Alfa Romeo, will be Sauber, eventually Audi F1 team. I promise I will only say that mouthful once an episode, probably in the formation lab, and then I'm just going to go with Sauber for most of the rest of the episode. So we're going to give you a recap of what we know, for example, when they're announcing and what hints we have to what the sponsor might be. And then instead of giving you our actual predictions about what brand might be the new title sponsor for Sauber, we're going to give you our wish list of brands that we want to be the new title sponsor of any Formula One team, if we're being honest. After that, we also have rumors that are ramping up that Spain is going to move from being the Barcelona GP to the Madrid GP going from a historic treat, street track going from a historic street track to oh that's why I was stumbling on going from a historic it's English <gasps> is one of the hardest English. languages they say it really is you know and you're gonna get there I'm like and she knows what she's saying and she realizes I didn't I didn't know what I was saying <laughs> okay. Now she does. Ah. Oh. All right. Going from the historic Barcelona track to a street track in Madrid. <laughs> like she's combining everything in one. I'm like Barcelona. I'm like My she's brain just there broke. Putting all of it together, where it is a historic street track that hasn't. I couldn't say words. I was saying the wrong words. You were trying to say less words, so you put all of it together. My brain did one of those things where it was three sentences ahead of itself. 
it was. Yes. Yeah. Well, all of this is to say people have a lot of feelings and emotions about this new rumor for the change to what will be the Spanish GP. So we're going to talk about if we like these changes with the positive pros and cons and also give some predictions into why this is probably happening. Next, we're going to give you some updates into the energy drink chaos that is sponsorship in F1. McLaren, quote unquote, steals Monster from Mercedes. Celsius reported down market share that they're attributing to Red Bull success in F1. And we go back and reflect on Celsius investment in Ferrari this year because I, I need to talk about it with someone and Nicole is that someone. So we thought we might as well record it. And last but not least, we're going to give you our off-season list of how to kill time and keep busy in what feels like a way too long F1 off-season. So what we're going to do to distract ourselves for the about 90 days until we get a Grand Prix, but the good news is, even though it's only 90 days until a Grand Prix, which really isn't that long, preseason testing's way before that. Car launches are way before that. We probably have maybe 30 days until we start getting a bunch of F1 news. But this is going to be our list of things to keep you busy that you should do, watch, that we're going to use to entertain ourselves. Of course, we're going to end everything out with the yellow sector notes, which is one note from every team that you should know from this week. Couple programming notes on the show. Starting next week, you're going to get the first of our three season review episodes. First episode, we're going to dig into everything drivers from the season, teammate battles, and much more. The second one the week after is going to be all about teams, what teams have positive vibes, negative vibes, how do we rate their seasons relative to what our expectations were. And last but not least, our third season review episode that's coming the week after that is going to be all about the more business side of F1. So is F1 really plateauing? Is it growing? We're going to look at viewership numbers, we're going to look at sponsorship, and of course we're going to do a fun season-long pop culture roundup. Basically an epic gossip grid from Nicole of all the highlights of the season. That wraps up the Formation Lab for episode 46 of Gridwalk, a weekly Formula One podcast that believes there are fascinating stories to discuss across the entire F1 grid. Please don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us a comment with, are you excited that Logan is remaining on the grid or not? And if you're listening on any audio platform, please hit the follow button, turn on auto downloads and leave us a review. We ask you for this long list of things because it really, really helps us and the algorithm helps other people find the show. So we appreciate if you do one or all of those things. Cole and Brown are lined up on the grid. It's lights out and away we go on this week's Grid Walk. Well, we have officially received the news. Logan Sargent is saying put in Williams. Oh, now I can't remember the year and statistic, but now this has become like, we were talking about last week, how the last time the grid has had like no shift in driver. This is the only time ever. Like this is ever? the only time ever that the, the grid at the last race is the same as the grid at the first race the next season. Ever. But really? <laughs> yeah, I still wholeheartedly believe that if we start the season with Sergio Perez and the Red Bull, I will revolt just a little bit, considering that we're going into the season with no competition. And it's like, yay. Like I, I do a lot of, I'm going to tell you the bright side of things on this podcast. And it's going to be really hard for me to go into 2024. And be like, guess what? Max or Stappen is just. Yeah. It's the same. (laughs) Yay. But But we're here to specifically talk about Logan and not dwell on any of that because we have 90 days to process all of that information maybe less um 
Logan is sticking at Williams. I am a little surprised. I kind of felt like it was going on for so long that we were just inevitably going to get like an announcement of somebody else, anybody else. It just seemed like if they hadn't announced it by now, it wasn't going to happen. At least my take and opinion. What was your initial response? Underwhelmed. I was just like, okay. It did, It does nothing to excite me about next year for Williams. Even if he takes a step up, I don't. I don't think he's a generational talent. Mm-hmm. And with so few spots on the grid, you know, it's frustrating that there's not. It's frustrating that there's not a single rookie next year. Yeah, that feels weird, especially maybe just because this year it was so rookie rookie first like the f1 first day of school whole thing yeah such a joke and vibe and that's going to be completely missing for next year i what does this does this make you feel better or worse or indifferent about william's trajectory like big picture for the i would say next three to five years for williams so my initial response is indifferent because I so firmly believe that William's trajectory is going to be like Alex Albon and like that's going to be where it like goes. Like Alex will be their key to success. So I don't say that I'm indifferent because I don't think it can happen. I just think Alex is like that match made in heaven beautiful pairing of it all that not that the other cuz you want to have a successful teammate and such at least more than logan has i'm not here to bash his entire performance this year but it wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. anything you know 20 finishing p21 on this grid real real bad not real great um right. so i think williams is gonna be fine because i think as long as alex stays committed to being there and like i, I have faith in him so that's kind of why i'm like right now whoever is there at least for the next like year or so, eh, I'm kind of indifferent about it. I, I think I'm indifferent to negative because in that top of the back of the field, the like trying to break into the midfield tier of F1, if your car has a good weekend, the ability to have two drivers there to attempt to score points is so crucial. Williams got P7 because Alex Alban basically had three really good weekends when the Williams was really good. But if Alex's car DNFs, at this point, we just know there's no points. The only time Logan got points this season is because two drivers ahead of him were disqualified. So I, I think it's very... To me, it screams that Williams doesn't really care about maximizing their point scoring next year. Because I felt, I just feel like there are so many drivers trying to get into F1. Williams seems like it's a team with positive vibes on the rising trajectory. They should be able to get someone to want to be in that seat. So the fact that Williams didn't want to put anyone else in that seat is frustrating to me because I want to root for them to do well next year. Yeah. And this may be a hot take. I found the announcement and then sequence of videos 
incredibly uncomfortable. And here's the thing. I love James. Like I have like yes. nothing, I have nothing against any of these people. I love Williams. All of it was uncomfortable. I love the handshake that became a meme, but then the like walk down memory lane of let's look at these pictures together of the season. It felt weird because if any of that was genuine and it felt that it was successful, then like an announcement would have come so much sooner. This felt strange. It felt weird. The teasing on social media and then this like release of dramatic family father son vibe. I, it gave me such an uncomfortable feeling that I'm like this. I didn't need any of this. I didn't. You could have just tweeted it. But he was resigned for a year, and I would have been like, "Great, thank you." It was trying to create excitement around something that wasn't going to excite anyone. At this point, Logan could come back and have a great sophomore season, but I think collectively, we all need to see it to believe it. We're kind of like, "All right, your rookie season wasn't great. Mm-mm. Cool, you're coming back for a second year." Don't really care until you show me something. So William's trying to generate this buzz and excitement around something that genuinely feels like their second choice. Because I agree, I don't think they would have waited until after Abu Dhabi if there wasn't maybe another driver they were trying to see if would come over or like something else that they wanted. I don't know. The whole thing read like, least favorite child, let's try to put a Band-Aid on it. It just didn't work. It didn't work for me. A CBS one hour photo print. We need these pictures printed from our Instagram real quick. Like a poor intern. Like it just it it was it it was so fabricated and I and I and I am Williams like social media number one fan. I love everything they do. This one was like you could tell it felt like someone working with what was such obviously become like a shrug of a situation to put together in some beautiful way. I didn't buy it. I'm glad that some people did and seemed very happy and I'm happy for them. I'm like, you just picked your best option and you're just sticking with what you have. Thank goodness for Alex. But yeah, I think they're just going, they're coasting right now. Right. And uh, I, I think collectively looking at the driver lineup for next year, I think Logan also represents a sense of apathy I just feel about the full driver lineup for next year. Not that things didn't switch out in a dramatic way, but just I felt apathy about this driver lineup coming into this year. So to exit it with an almost identical driver lineup, honestly, thankfully, with some personality added back in with Daniel Ricardo. But that besides that, like I was already oh, like you have the two Haas drivers that are just going to die at Haas and it's just the whole grid feels apathetic. Like, ah, Red Bull's going to dominate next year anyway, so it doesn't matter. We're just not going to invest any energy into this. Feels like the vibe everything is given off. Maybe that's why it doesn't feel like the offseason, is because everything is just kind of the same. Meanwhile, Nick DeVries somewhere, I mean, now he has plans and things now, but it's just now, also every time I see a meme that's like, you know, silly season just wasn't silly. And yes, the Nick DeVries scenario, but it wasn't necessarily silly season. But like, he basically is the silly season of the year of like, is the AlphaTauri seat of everything. So yeah, relatively quiet year, um, except Nick DeVries would not agree. 
Yeah. Also, if all three of the rookies that started this year, if you told me that like Nick DeVries would lose his seat over Logan Sargent, team excluded, like, yes, of course, Red Bull needed to cause some chaos and get rid of a driver. But like, if you put them both on the same team, like, I would be surprised that if you were like, pick two that survived, I don't think I would have picked Logan Sargent as the mm -hmm. one, one of the ones to survive, but. He did. He's here. The, you know, the question is that we're going to get asked consistently is the same one that was asked when he was signed. So we should we should talk about it for two seconds, which is, Nicole, don't you want an American race car driver in F1? I, it, I just can't. I, I struggle with also the fact that, like, it's just Florida boy. Like, I went to college, I've said on this podcast a thousand times, we went to college with 1,000 Logan Sargents. Like, I see him, I'm like, this is so cool. He was basically in my econ class, and now he is, like, in a race car. Which is, but, like, you know, it's, okay, yay, America. doesn't do I'm anything great. for me. No, I want people to drive fast, do fast, go vroom, do the thing. I, great if you're American or if you're not American, but. That doesn't. It's not going to improve my weekend watching no. entertainment because no, there's no an American flag. I'm just so frustrated about the kilometer jokes. It's not funny. It's so dumb. Okay, now I'm just grumpy and rant. <laughs> sprint, 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 sprint. Said no one ever. Oh, this is my reaction when I found out about the sprint calendar. Okay. That doesn't work for the audio audience. That was only for us, I guess. Okay. <laughs> well, guess what? And if you're on, and this isn't going to make it the edit, but if it for some reason does, congratulations, YouTubers. That's your gift. But so <laughs> Nicole discovered Apple camera reactions to things. And we just spent, I spent 10 minutes trying to pull up something I needed for this segment. And Nicole just sat there clicking through all the different possibilities. I wish I could just have, like, continuous lasers all the time. Okay, but we have to talk about sprint races. I mean, you could set up lasers behind you IRL. That's not the same. That's not. That's that's kind of like what I have now. F1 announced what six races in 2024 we will have to suffer through a sprint race weekend. Um, wait, you know what? I actually have a sounder just for this. Boo! Yep, yep. Uh, big bummer. Didn't want it. Didn't ask for it. Ask, actually asked for the opposite. Um, right. to Knew stop. it would happen. Still upset. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. So four races keep their sprint race being Qatar, Brazil, Austria, and unfortunately Coda, which was my one big ask that we didn't ruin Coda weekend for a second year in a row, but woo! Um, and then newly added this year is China and Miami. Boo! Boo! I'm so bummed. I, to be fair, there are very few races that they would put on this list. There's probably no races they put on this list that we wouldn't just collectively go. Boo! Because <laughs> at this point, we're so grumpy about the Sprint Race Weekend for all the reasons that you could listen to in any post sprint race weekend review episode guess what we will rant about it in there i won't hurt your ears with that we knew we were getting sprints again 
I am really glad that at first when I saw the calendar and I saw two U.S. flags, I panicked that one of them was going to be Vegas because we also were like, oh, no, they're going to think that they can fix Vegas with a sprint race. Um, And I'm just glad that we're going to at least get like a Vegas GP attempt to of like a traditional race weekend. And they're not going to be like, we can fix it with a sprint race, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I am also confused. <laughs> I, I'm always confused about the ones they pick. But I'm confused about the addition of Miami. And yes, we say normally a lot of this comes down to promoters lobbying for things. But the promoter from Miami is primarily F1 itself. So it feels like did no other promoters ask for a sprint weekend? Is that a sign that maybe we won't have to deal with these soon? But also, there are races this year where attendance was down year over year. And you would think if they would give it to those. I, I mean, that, that wasn't a, like, you know, monumental thought there. But, like, the Italian GP had down attendance. The Singapore GP was down. Like there, there are races that had fewer people that theoretically, if F1 truly believes that that's why they're doing sprint races is so more people attend a race weekend, why don't they give it to that? Like the Miami GP actually had an uptick in attendance year over year. Because maybe they are starting to register that sprint races does nothing really isn't helping or hurting i don't know i i'm just i need to start seeing some data that's showing this is helping in some way at all that this is driving ticket sales in some way at all so i feel like going to races that would have had the dip in attendance would be where they would want to go with this since that's how they technically market these weekends i was really surprised about like China being on there, especially since it was been like such a back and forth on the schedule for so long that you would think that that would just be so excited to be like having that back that they would want that to be like a remaining a traditional, you know, race weekend just to be the first one back, but to do like a sprint race that weekend. Not that it's like a whole difference in logistics, but just for the sake of, you know, returning back to a Grand Prix to kind of like flip it on its head in a, a different kind of way is a little bit of a, a hot take, I think. Yeah, I wonder if there wasn't something super, like whoever the promoter is wasn't super happy it had to get canceled for this year. And maybe this is a smoothing over of that relationship. I tend to feel like who gets a sprint in the past has always been like, oh, but we'll give you this special thing. Like this year, I really felt like Coda and Spa got it because it was like, oh, Spa, you're, you have your feelings hurt because we didn't want to renew with you. But like, so, but here you get a sprint and like, Coda, you're really upset that we're now doing Vegas and Miami and that's infringing on like people who live in the US. And like, so here's a sprint, <laughs> you know, it's like this thing you can give to a promoter. So right. I wonder if China is in that where the promoter was unhappy because of the amount of times it had to get canceled. So it was like, look, here's a sprint. Right. Little did they know that people don't like this. It just sounds sexy. That's it. 
It sa- Sprint shootout sounds sexy. If you need to hear the first episode where I was just really jazzed about a sprint shootout just because it sounds really cool, but the actual watching and experiencing of a sprint race weekend is super not that enjoyable at all. It ruins my race weekend. It makes Sundays quite obvious. More obvious. In a season that is already incredibly obvious, you don't want to make it more obvious of how Sundays are going to go down. I um, I really enjoyed that in Stefano Domenicali's quote um, in the press release for the weekends, that he said that the sprint weekends... Um, always increase fan engagement on social and digital platforms, but he doesn't say that it's positive fan engagement. He just says it's increased engagement. That is, there needs to be like a Google Translate for marketing speak because that right there is someone looking at an Excel spreadsheet and looking at data and saying, look at that. There's a lot of engagement. We're not going to say why. But look at this increase in engagement. Yeah, of course, because people are commenting like, stop this. Please, please, please end it now. With this announcement also came confirmation that what we talked about last week, they are looking into a reverse grid. And they were smart enough to notice what we talked about, which is that the drivers wouldn't care about participating in the sprint shootout. So they said that if they were to do it, there is going to be points awarded for qualifying, but not qualifying the sprint shootout, which means that the weekend would work like this. There would be free practice one, then there would be a sprint shootout, which will give points. Qualifying doesn't give points, but the sprint shootout will give points to incentivize drivers to qualify higher. Then the sprint would be doing what F2 does, where it does a reverse grid of the top 10. And then, then there's the race on, then there's actual qualifying and then there's the race on Sunday, which is as confusing to say as it sounds, give it up is my reaction to this. <laughs> <laughs> like my immediate react, like the first time I read this through, I'm like, what? And then I read it again. I'm like, okay, I understand you're trying too hard. If this is the back and forth that you need to do to one, get a sprint weekend to be exciting to have drivers care about said sprint race to thus maybe make it exciting it's too much too much too much effort it is uh, what if i cannot explain it in two sentences or less on a podcast where we talk about f1 the answer should be no it's already confusing enough to explain to people that they do a mini race before the real race and then someone goes why and then i have to explain to them tire strategy and it doesn't even ever play out in the sprint race the, the way that it should. But I like I shouldn't have to explain the nuances of tire strategy to someone to get them to care about a mini race. So it's just, I don't know. Like, But I commend them for trying. I'm always positive when F1 has some foresight about something where they're like, oh, yeah, if we're going to reverse grid, we need to get them to actually care about qualifying. You know, if we're going to do wonky ideas, I'm going to throw it out there that I think that the drivers should get to switch cars and like the P20 driver should get to drive the Red Bull for the sprint. And like we should do absolute chaos nonsense because apparently there's no real rules to this anymore. And they're just trying to go for something we'd all care to watch. And that I would care to watch, put Logan Sargent in the Red Bull. I will watch it. I want to see them all in bumper boats. I want, <laughs> that's what I want. I want you. Yeah. 
Like you want to looking for a rain solution. Like crash into a wall. I want everyone on bumper boats, and that's the next Grand Prix. The bumper boats of the of the waters. That's yeah. That's yeah. Because everything is made up, and the points don't matter. Yeah, this is. It's really like everyone's trying way too hard. hard. Too hard. Way too hard for all of it. But again, like put your energy elsewhere. There are so many productive ways they could be spending their energy to make the sport more exciting. Go there. Go do that. (laughs) Whatever else is on your agenda that's not like, how do we finally get people to like sprints? Focus on that. (laughs) Yeah, because guess what? Maybe it's just they don't want them. You tried. But there'll be more engagement. So we'll keep them. You know what? We should all vow to not tweet or post anything during Sprint Weekends. I know that we all won't listen to that, but that would be really funny if we just tank the social engagement as our revolt. Do you think F1C Sprint Weekends like Vlogmas, where like the engagement and everything is just so unbelievably high that they're just going to maintain it only for the sake of the AdSense and for no other reason? Yes. The girls that get it, get it. The girls that don't, don't. Sauber needs a name. They hinted that they're going to have a big announcement on December 10th of who their new title sponsor is. And this is a year away from when they become Audi. So this is like a temporary title sponsorship. We also know that they've already announced that their car launch for 2024 is going to be in the UK, which is a big deal because they are based in switzerland so they don't normally launch in the uk so if we were doing this from a logical point of view i would say okay it's probably a uk-based company and it's probably not a car company because i doubt that a car company would want to come in a year before audi on a team so those are like logical parameters but that's less fun i think we should just give a wish list of brands we hope it to be who cares about trying to actually guess this correctly? Who do we want to see as a title sponsor of the Sauber team? All right, Nicole, you start us out. Who is your first wishlist sponsor to be the title sponsor for Sauber next year? My first wishlist sponsor would be Spotify. I think it would be like a really sick... I think Spotify could be a really good like presence on the grid. I think it is a wide demographic and maybe i'm just really in the realm of like seeing everybody's spotify wrapped all the time but i think it'd be a really cool company that could be getting involved with fans in a different way that no sponsors have ever done before i'm imagining some type of like activations with playlists at every single race and for individual drivers and just being able to utilize music and the different artists that they have at their like at you know their disposal to be able to do some like really cool things and you have the capital for it because everyone in the world is paying you for their money and their streaming that's a good call because i'm now just imagining how cool that livery would be like the black and the bright green and like using the spotify logo in places would be sick yeah that would be fun what alfa romeo and kick wanted their sometimes black and green thing to be but better and right i also think that there's an opportunity to do like a like artist sponsorships like i could see 
um, big music companies wanting to promote an upcoming album and doing an integration with the Spotify team. And like, there could be like a Bad Bunny livery for a, a week. Like, that would be so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, there's so many possibilities for Spotify with just music in general. And I think it's like a realm that hasn't really been like dabbled into too much so far. So my brain didn't go there at all, but that's so fun. I love that. All right. Who is on your wish list? All right. These are for me in no particular order, but I feel like a fast food company, but I think I'm going to particularly go with Burger King. Like I would be okay with any kind of global fast food company. The reason I'm leaning into Burger King is one, their advertising strategy is decently unhinged. And as we saw with Duracell for the last year, like the more loopy, crazy, random the marketing is, the more fun it is, the more I'm gonna lean into it. I feel like Burger King would be willing to do a similar type of fan engagement strategy. And I also just love that there's a mascot and I want to see the king walking around, hanging out with Audrey Bottas and Joe Guan Yu. Like the content they could create would be incredible. So really this choice is mostly for the fact that there would be a mascot on the grid. Valtteri Bottas would become like the burger prince. Like that's just what would gonna end up in. Yes. Have type of like facial hair competition and that's, yeah, I'm, I, I love that idea. I'm all for more mascots on the grid. Put, yeah, Burger King in the car. Right. I started out, by the way, with McDonald's because that's, of course, fast food, iconic branding. And I do think a McDonald's livery would be great. But I don't think the McDonald's brand would be willing to be as fun as I want Burger King to be on the grid. But I would be honestly okay if it was like Burger King or Wendy's. Like, give me like a global Taco fast food Bell joint. <laughs> yes yes no like i any you give i was excited enough about chipotle and i don't eat chipotle but like give me like a traditional 2 a.m fast food place and yeah i'd be all about it like imagine vb going to the taco bell cantina in vegas i he i don't have to imagine he definitely went for sure (laughs) All right, what's your second wish list title sponsor? So I actually, I had one that morphed into kind of a different one. So I went back into the realm of where like we started to see growth and we've seen a lot of like things and expansion, hoping to see more. So I wanted to pick something in makeup. So my gut initially said, I want Rare Beauty to sponsor an F1 team, but I don't think it would align with the brand. So instead of picking Rare Beauty, I opted for Urban Decay because I think that branding and they're so like in your face and loud and the prints and the naked palettes and hello, a naked palette collaboration. Where is my boat ass calendar? Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? It's right there. Urban Decay and Valtteri Botas naked but can, I don't know. There it is. It's all right there. No, and- that's the campaign. You're <laughs> right. Spot on. That is the campaign. And it would be like an all like nature. Like I can already see the like shades of green and brown in the palette because of like the nature and the ocean, the water and the lake. And like, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, that's. <laughs> the idea is there. The liveries would be sick. 
Again, I think F1, we're still long, long ways away from this being a real possibility, but this is our show and this is my wish list. And it would be so sick for a makeup company to be on the grid. And I think Urban Decay would give me the greatest liveries and a VB naked palette. (laughs) When you said Rare Beauty, my brain immediately said Mercedes. Like to me, that's a much better brand fit. I think both of those drivers are better brand fit. And then you like, you're, you're spot on with that assessment. Yeah. Cause that's where I was like, Rare Beauty, this would work so well. And I think, and, but then like, no, the, 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 the branding itself isn't there. So that's how I veered of like, we're still in makeup, but we need that. And then Naked Palette just sold me, so. I I did surf through for my wish list, like different makeup lines, and I couldn't make a decision, which is why there's not one on my list. But I did go a similar route where I went fashion. So I actually think, I'm very surprised that there aren't a lot of fashion or high fashion brands, like sponsoring in general. Like there's really just Tommy Hilfiger and Mercedes, but definitely not title sponsoring. So on my wish list, I put Chanel. Not because I think it's a perfect brand fit for Alfa Romeo. I think it definitely fits more with Joe Guan Yu than like Alfa or than Sauber and VB. But so I leaned into the Joe Guan Yu side of it. And I think that Chanel would care a lot about reaching F1's audience. They have It's mostly, I think, mostly women, but as we know, women make up over 40% of F1's audience. I think they would really care about selling to F1's audience. They'd want to reach, this is, okay, okay, this is not my area of expertise, but I slot Chanel in as like almost the top luxury, but not quite there, like still could be kind of affordable in that like not really affordable way. So I think they would care a lot about breaking into that upper echelon and F1 could help them do that. And then now you can tell me how wrong I am about where I placed Chanel in the hierarchy of fashion brands. No, I mean, look, Chanel, oh, no, you're it, frozen. it just oh, becomes, no, it just becomes like you're, you're, you're so crowded at that top. And then it also just gets into the conversation of like what you're looking at in terms of clothing or makeup or any, blah, 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 all of those things. I think it's a great mm-hmm. pick. I think that would be stun. Wow. Um, except- like imagine the livery. Yeah, that livery would be unbelievable. I wonder if that would just be a conflict of inf- interest for Joe and Dior. You know, like what would like yeah. then what goes down? <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> this is my fake wishless world, but yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> There's no conflict of interest in my fake world of. Uh, um all sponsors um but speaking of mine this one is probably actually i have like two small ones i say small but they're like still companies but i think they're just like least likely but going off of i was also thinking clothing i was in that realm My, my brain went to lululemon because I think you can really harp on yeah. recently with Joe being their ambassador in China. And I think you can also play off a lot on VB and biking and how outdoorsy. And like you have two drivers that can fit really well into their entire line across. I mean, it is. do we think they can afford it? That's not what this game is for. We're here for literal just branded things. So Lululemon's really trying to be in that place of appealing to men and women and 
athleisure and all there could be just a space there where it could really fit in and kind of getting really public facing in that space i think could be a fun fit too that's a great fit i think any kind of athleisure or athletic wear high-end athletic wear brand makes sense doesn't even need to be super high-end like i thought that adidas talking to Alphatari made a ton of sense for Adidas. Like I think a Nike would make sense just as much as a Lululemon would make sense. Like active wear, a sport, high-end luxury all really go well together. What's your third? Okay. So I went fake fantasy land for sure with this one, but Maybe not the whole year, but I would really love if Wawa sponsored someone on the grid or something or or just participated in F1 in some way. And this is a Brianna Klein, I want this because of me. But yes, the local convenience store line that's primarily just the tri-state area that F1 doesn't race in, but is my favorite brand of all time. I would like Wawa to sponsor something or someone in F1. Thank you, please. I can't believe I didn't see that coming. Like, of this whole <laughs> list, I was like, I wonder what Fernando's going to have last. Told, I can't believe I did not peg that one. Yeah, let's get Wawa on the grid. Let's get some, I want to see VB and Joe celebrating Hoagie Fest and tie-dye shirts. Right. I want, I want someone to have to explain to Valtteri Bottas what a hoagie is. Mm -hmm. That is something I want in life. His next line, his next business venture will just be a sandwich shop because he just doesn't have enough of them. Yep, yep. Um, All right, I do have two like honorable mentions um, that are like quick ones outside of my main three. So I'm going to throw out Bath and Body Works or really like any kind of scent candle company, but something about Bath and Body Works just feels fun. Like their like iconic bag as a livery sounds I great. Still, and as I just- soon as you said Bath and Body Works, my brain's like, wow, that's a that's gonna be a plaid blue and white livery. Yep. But there's just something about my millennial brain from when we would do loser laps at the mall. Like I just Bath and Body Works, and I just. I've been thinking when creating this list, I did a lot of thinking about it was incredible to see Gunther have to go like make an order at Chipotle. So like, what would I want personalities from the Sauber team to do? Go shop at a Bath and Body Works is something that came to mind. And therefore, I would love them to be a title sponsor. Um, And then the other quick one is I was thinking about how fantastic Ryan Ryan Reynolds is with marketing. And I get this is my fake fantasy land. So he's going to theoretically do this for Alpine. um, But I would love a Mint Mobile sponsorship. One, imagine how incredible the car would be. Two, there's a little Fox mascot. And three, there would be uh, Ryan Reynolds funny advertising. So those those are my honorable mentions to throw in there. Did you have any honorable mentions? (laughs) 
I do have an honorable mention. And funny enough, it was sparking through like brands that I was thinking that I loved and enjoy and stuff like that. And first I was like, oh, Coca-Cola. And it's like, these are the, the obvious picks of things that you could pick. And then I was like, well, I love Jameson. Well, that doesn't really make any sense for like a driving thing. You shouldn't really have like an alcohol brand necessarily as the title sponsor of a driving thing. And that's when my brain went into like, well, everyone's really into like non-alcoholic things now. And this is where my brain thought of like the wishiest of wish things ever. Dak Shepard and his childhood best friend just launched a non-alcoholic beer line called Ted Seegers. And they sell merchandise that says, I will have another. I will have another Ted Seegers. I'm driving. And it's like, that's their whole stick of like, you can have another, you can drive and have another because it's not. So I want Ted Seegers to sponsor Sauber as the first non-alcoholic beer title sponsor in formula one which is crazy and weird but i think it would be really interesting i would be so on board with every single brand that we mentioned even the ones we mentioned in passing like in all reality here if we got something that was fashion makeup uh, skincare beauty realm in general there's going to be an emergency podcast we're going to be screaming so much i mean that's what we're talking That's about. What it is. F1 will go racing in Spain for the next 10 years. But, but where will where? they go racing? Where in Spain? Mm. We don't know. That's enough of an intro. <laughs> I had an epiphany. Do you remember when um, uh, Albert Ferreira, I believe is how you say his last name, uh, tweeted the thing that caused F1 to melt down. And he's like, I heard this rumor and I hope it's not true. And then in the entire F1 Twitterverse just melted down and was like, oh my gosh, what is he talking about? Is a driver losing a seat? And he basically had to come out and apologize for causing a frenzy. And everyone kind of chalked it up to like, maybe he was just trying to increase engagement or something silly. What if it was this news that the Spanish GP is moving from Barcelona to Madrid? One hundred. I'm convinced. Like before, you even asked the question. As soon as you were like, "Remember the tweet?" This, yeah, because everything else has been so boring and quiet. What else could it have been that would have caused like Spanish journalists to just like really get crazy upset if it has, or just you know, bummed out if it has nothing to do with Carlos and or Fernando. It's the most relevant rumor slash news to come out that made me think, oh, I wonder if this was the tweet. Yeah, I'm convinced. I Unless something else comes out, that's that has to be. It just lines too much of, I hope not, because people care so much. There's a lot of people that love Barcelona and they, and everything. And it's, I mean, it's history and it's, but, you know. Do people love Barcelona or do they dislike change? Yes. Because <laughs> they think they like Barcelona and they hate change. Yeah, I mean, because I think we all watch the Barcelona GP together, at least in this generation of cars. It hasn't been a great race in any way, shape, or form. Like, it is way... It, it doesn't create great racing with modern day cars. So I feel like I'm living a little bit in the Twilight Zone where... We all collectively dislike the Barcelona track every year and then 
But now everyone loves it. Now we can't possibly lose it this race. How dare you? Uh, no. Oh, no. Like, yeah, I... I'm... I mean, I don't know. Whoa, English and words are so difficult. It did seem like everyone was a lot more emotional about it than I would have anticipated hearing this news prior. I think also lots of people tend at least my viewpoint when another street circuit is added i feel like a lot of people get like really up in arms about it because a lot of people are anti street circuit because they think it's like not as good of racing i'm like tired of that narrative and over it um so i think that was just a really easy thing to jump on being like no we need to keep barcelona for all of these reasons because madrid would have all of these things that we just don't like you know so the the rumor coming from a pretty credited f1 journalist is that there's going to be a madrid street race starting in 2026 and it's signing a 10-year contract last i read the barcelona contract is through 2026 so if all of this is true and f1 isn't pulling out of the last year of that barcelona contract we're gonna have two spanish races in 2026 um but then it might barcelona let's just say the rumor has nothing to do with barcelona leaving the calendar everyone has just jumped to that conclusion the concrete reporting is that the Madrid street race will start in 2026 and be on the calendar for 10 years, along with reporting about where the track will be, which I am not an expert on the geography of Madrid. So go look that up online. I'm not going to attempt to explain it to anyone on this podcast. So I think I completely agree with you. I think the whole street races are inherently bad is not a narrative I personally sign on to. I think that street races do a couple of things. I do think there's a different skill to driving them. I think they are a different type of spectacle to watch on TV. And the third one that I don't think we talk about it enough is that if we want to talk about making F1 accessible to more people, particularly not incredibly wealthy people, having a street race, particularly just in the center of major cities like Madrid, is a really key way to make it more accessible. Because even if someone who can't afford to attend the race, they can still be involved in the commotion of it. They could go to a fan zone or a fan event that a team might put on in the center of the city. It becomes more accessible in other ways to people who can't drive for hours outside of Barcelona to go to this uh, static track. And I feel like I'm always pushed on the side to defend street races more than I probably believe because people are just so adamantly against them. So I'm like, no, 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 they're okay. And they serve a purpose. And I think the accessibility point of them is a really big positive point that we don't talk about enough. Yeah. A lot of people don't like think just because it's a street circuit and where it is like being in a city they don't think of that being like increasing access which is like weird and wild but when you do remove all of that separation like you just increase the direct exposure because it's literally like right outside it's there you can't like escape it i mean yeah right and this doesn't apply to vegas and this obviously doesn't apply to monaco but um, you know, apparently Singapore, it's like right in the center of everything that's going on. You know, 
uh, Miami's in the middle of nowhere. It's not yeah, really a street Miami's track, but actually the opposite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not all street tracks are created equal, but something like like I looked at the plans for this. This Madrid track would be right in the center of the city, and I think that's a real big positive to this. I will also point out that I have not been to uh, the Barcelona track, but apparently it is a nightmare to attend that Grand Prix. Apparently the facilities are old and outdated. It's impossible to get there and then get out. It hasn't doesn't have the best record for being safe. And it seems like the promoter has been resistant to commit to upgrading any of these on-track experiences. And F1 has really emphasized in recent years that it wants to be able to charge a high price to attend a Grand Prix. And it wants the experience on track to match that price that they're charging for it. So if Barcelona, the promoter, is unwilling to commit to making its experience not an absolute nightmare, I don't care how historic the track is, it doesn't make sense to have an outdated facility on the calendar. And that's not F1's fault. Right. Yeah, just because something's historic doesn't mean it's still good and giving you the same type of product. That was, I remember seeing plenty of short form content of, you know, trying to get to the Barcelona GP and struggling of timing and, you know, transportation and many of other things that, you know, you need to rely on to be able to get to an F1 race. Uh, so being, you know, connected to a major city and that's something that you also can also be relying on of having all of that like transportation stuff. So it will be interesting to see how it unfolds. Um, if we'll end up, you know, having one, two Spanish races, if, you know, it, if it comes down to it, it would be really interesting to see if they'd keep both or if it would be bye-bye Barcelona. But like you said, that's not necessary. No one is saying that. The reports are talking about adding right. Madrid. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying the math isn't mathing. Um, and something I will point out that uh, the Concord Agreement, which by the way is the agreement between the teams F1 and the FIA on how they're going to run the sport, currently only runs through 2025. And with this Concord Agreement, there is a max number of races of 24, which means this upcoming year and 2025, there can only be 24 races. They will sit down in probably 2025, a little later than we would probably assume, to, to renegotiate the Concord Agreement. And I am sure there's already been discussions between teams and F1 and the FIA about what they want to increase that number to. Because I, I know that number is not going to come down. It's a matter of how much that will increase to. So I think part of it is the, the math isn't mathing because there will probably be 26, 27 plus races starting in 2026, which I still think is way too many, but I'm just, I'm talking through the logistical reality of what's going to happen um, or what seems to be on trend to happen. Also, Stefano Domenicali, who's the president of F1, has been very clear that he's looking towards some kind of rotating schedule for some races. So if you're, if you're hearing a lot of like, oh, well, they signed a 10-year deal, Technically, we don't know the intricacies of that. It might be a 10-year deal, but it's going to rotate with a couple of other tracks in that region for 15 years, and they're going to get 10 of the 15. Like, I think there's a lot of schedule maneuvering, and it's going to look different come 2026 when this new Concord Agreement is put into place. 
I agree with you. I think we're not gonna we're not decreasing the calendar anytime soon. I also think we're already at the point of too many races. Um, but everyone else is like money, and so we'll there'll be more. It will be very interesting to see when conversations. I also think 2025 for Concord Agreement updates, how this will be addressed. And that's probably when we'll be getting to get more and more information about it. But uh, yeah, the, probably not the last of uh, speculated new race reports that we'll be getting. I don't think Madrid will be the last one. Hey, positive spin on more races. So I think collectively, we all feel like Grand Prix prices have gone up way too much. It's really hard for someone to be able to afford to go to a race weekend. If they increase the race number by enough, technically by the rules of supply and demand, maybe with more supply, eventually prices will have to go down because there'll be less people wanting to go to races because there's so many races to choose from. There's my positive spin. (laughs) Okay, cool. Great. Um, but we're first talking about energy drinks because yep. in earth shattering news, Monster is moving from Mercedes to McLaren, but sticking with Lewis Hamilton, which is the biggest caveat in my brain of that entire thing when I first heard this announcement was, wait, wait a second, whoa, 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 but Lewis. Um, I actually really would have loved to have Monster on my list of team sponsors because I think it would be really fun to have a Red Bull team and a Monster team, but my brain always thought about that as, like, Mercedes and Red Bull. Um, but now they've moved to McLaren. What are your initial thoughts about this whole scenario? Well, my first thought was, yeah, I mean, Monster is a brand fit for Lewis Hamilton, but doesn't really seem like a brand fit for Mercedes anyway. So, okay. Not that I think McLaren is a much better brand fit, but a slightly better brand fit. And then I remembered a really key detail, and it's that Coke owns a 20% stake in Monster. Monster is Coca-Cola's energy drink line. And so everyone was like, Coca-Cola is leaving McLaren and all this stuff. And I think the reality is, is that Coca-Cola actually has a really good brand relationship with McLaren. And they were tired of divesting their interests instead of just focusing on one team. And I think that's all that happened here. But I did enjoy all the incendiary headlines that you get with like an angry looking Toto. And it's like, and a sneaky Zach Brown, like stealing from Toto, like, I think the reality is Coke was like, let's simplify. (laughs) I always forget that Coke is a sponsor of McLaren. Literally, I think I even said before, Coca-Cola would be fun, but that's basic. I I can't, my brain can't comprehend how they're just not like a louder. Well, because they don't do any work with them. It, it, and again, it is so not what I think of Coca-Cola as an American. It's like, the such loud in your face doing things. I I just feel like they would have more of a presence there. And I'm very surprised that they're not, but that makes so much more sense. And it's just like, Oh yeah, we're just moving over here and we're still supporting Lewis. So like really everything is like totally fine. And now Mercedes will get like sponsored by like Alani new or like something that's like more aligned with their brand or like, you know, something like that. Um, I, 
do see more of the alignment with McLaren. I think mm-hmm. Monster can definitely capitalize on what I think McLaren tries to say of like the youthful young energy of their drivers, like Oscar and Lando have that like boy in their twenties streamer. I'm trying to think of just like that, like, you know? Yeah. I, no, no, I get what you're saying. You don't need to say anything else. I completely yeah. understand what you're trying to describe. That's their there. demographic. Like that's, that's what they're going for there. Is there th- those two drivers? There you go. That's who they want. So they can definitely really utilize yeah. that for sure. And I think McLaren would encourage the kind of content that they want to make. George isn't edgy enough is really all we're saying here. Like there's not enough like spunk to George. He is way too buttoned up. Like it makes complete. Mercedes is relatively clean cut and buttoned up as a brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton's fun, and that's why he's staying. Like having Lewis Hamilton as a brand ambassador, you don't mess with that. I would be shocked if they left Lewis. As soon as I saw that caveat to this announcement, it's like ah, it makes so much more sense. Yeah, whatever, go do you. Yeah, I bet you that was part of the negotiation with McLaren. Obviously, like, hey, we'll be here, but we're gonna. This is gonna stay. We're gonna keep this one. You can't touch that one. Can't say we yeah. can't do this. This is our little cash cow. Yeah. <laughs> we'll also be over here. I wonder if um, Lewis's sponsorship will be like just a general sponsorship or if he'll keep the brand on his helmet and in different, like his water bottle, for example, will be Monster still. You know, because it depends what they're paying for with Lewis is what it's going to be. So I'm intrigued to see how that relationship is going to work out now that it's not a team sponsor but it's a Lewis sponsor I think this also just not that I think either of us ever thought it was the same agreement but it just also really kind of shows that there's the Lewis Hamilton monster agreement and then there was the Mercedes AMG Patronus like monster agreement so it will be really interesting to see what slightly changes within the car and Lewis's helmet and things, my guess would be his helmet. I'm sure that'll probably all stick around. The water bottle, like small changes like that, it'll be interesting to see if like where that all falls. But again, just really hyped that Monster and Lewis are sticking together because I do, I love that pairing. It's so, it's so smart and just makes so much sense with the Red Bull of it all. Well, because all these drink companies like to use F1 now as their little battleground space, We also have a Celsius report where they reported in their last quarterly report that their market share is down and they attribute a big chunk of that market share being down to Red Bull's success in F1. So they're claiming their market share hasn't decreased. It's just that Red Bull has taken even more. Red Bull is the already the top market share in the energy drink market globally by a significant margin. So I think there's two directions to go with this. What is your thoughts on... Red Bull's already very dominant brand increasing market share due to on-track success. Do you think there's a correlation there that you see? And Red Bull has been the na- in charge of that team in the name of that team for a long time. So if you do see a correlation there, how much do you think being successful on track, like dominating versus just winning races and being a good team has a direct effect on sales? 
So I don't know how if my first answer will affect my second answer because this there technically wouldn't be a second answer. I don't think there's a correlation. I don't think that Red Bull's <laughs> domination. I don't think that that's necessarily affecting their unbelievable. Like they already had such a large market share. This is a hot take about a brand that I really enjoy and am a customer of. I feel like I've seen less from Celsius and I'm not seeing more of Red Bull. I don't feel like I am seeing more Red Bull marketing promotions or material that I was at the start of the season versus that I was at the end of the season in terms of like general Red Bull promotion. Do I feel like I've seen less Celsius advertisements? I'm getting less. I'm seeing influencers discuss, drink it less. And just in that general zeitgeist, I, in, to me, I feel like I heard Celsius is sponsoring Ferrari and then suddenly it went away. So that's my take of, I don't think Red Bull's success is causing them to take over more of the energy drink world in terms of F1. I think Celsius is struggling in terms of maybe just like, they were having so much growth and it hit a spot and like now they're speaking about how that performance has kind of shifted where it was a year ago to where it was now but that's my intake of the information i agree with about 95 percent of everything you just said i think celsius is down market share has more to do with celsius than it has to do with red bull but I do think it's interesting to dig into the fact that Red Bull didn't have a giant scandal this year for the first time in a couple of years. And so if F1 is going to influence its brand identity, it didn't at least negatively do that this year. Um, I also think that we've long discussed that F1's media and press corps decided that the angle to market this season was look how unprecedented and historic this is, which means all anyone was doing was talking about Red Bull. And so I think that overall discourse is going to increase just general awareness of the F1 team and Red Bull in general zeitgeist more than if they weren't winning races or even more than if uh, there was actually some competition on track or they were trying to sell some competition on track. So did Red Bull get a boost this year from how their F1 team performed? Probably something small. Like it's hard to measure like a small thing, like one-to-one -one like that. Christian Horner has said that they know when their team is more competitive that it sells well and they can track that, but I don't know if the utter dominance of this year, like gave it a super boost. I agree with your point on that. Um, but I super agree with your point on Celsius. I think Celsius losing market share has more to do with everything you said about Celsius seeming to not be investing as much in a lot of the influencer campaigns they were investing in. And I didn't see them do absolutely anything with their Ferrari sponsorship. They sponsored Ferrari for the three American races. I know of one photo of Carlos Sainz where he's holding the Ferrari bottle, but I saw no activations, no content. Like what's the point in spending all this money to sponsor something and getting nothing out of it? Like I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, 
and in our previous episode when we discussed like this entire announcement we did an entire breakdown of like the of the market share of like how much red bull has and how much monster has and how celsius was able to become such a disruptor in this market and i think they were able to mm-hmm. create such a disruption in an area that hasn't seen disruption probably since i guess bang kind of monster really in this world of red bull so it's just such a striking they hit this point where everything was going really really well and then now it just seems like wherever they were choosing to invest their money just wasn't making the same return that it was a year ago and maybe it was too much money in the investment and then not enough to do activations and things but it just it fell flat it fell off i'm hoping maybe next year there'll be more of a presence ish i i don't know i I hope they continue their sponsorship yeah and maybe it just wasn't a brand fit celsius is pretty youthful pretty fun like i don't know i originally thought ferrari would be a good brand fit because the drivers were a decent fit but ferrari itself isn't the best so i wonder what would be a better fit williams they even still probably yeah actually with the way my initial i was about to say that it's a little bit too like even button up but then i was just thinking about their social content and i take it back i think that could definitely williams would be great and like all the fun stuff they already do with duracell and golf like celsius would really slot in nicely to the williams brand lineup duracell celsius cargo fast it's all there Paul right there. All right, we have a little bit of time to kill before the next on-track F1 session. So we thought we would build for you our guide to killing time during the F1 off-season. Things we think you should do, slash things we're going to do, watch, see, you know, participate in, that you should also. Because we're all just looking for how to spend our time now that F1 doesn't race almost every weekend for a couple months. So, Nicole, I give you the honors. Start us off. What is the first thing on your off-season watch list, I guess, or to-do list? (laughs) So, my personal off-season watch list um, there's, oh God, it's, it's pages and pages. Um, but I'm diving into the latest <laughs> season of the crown because I need to finish it. I mm-hmm. am not a Royal family Stan. I am a princess Diana Stan and that's all anyone. I'm a Meghan Markle Stan. There you go. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the next thing I'll watch is suits. <laughs> I still act Have you school. ever watched Suits? No. <gasps> I know. Oh my god, I saw it years ago. This was like a huge obsession that I had probably in high school. I don't, I definitely never finished it because it's one of those TV shows that was back in like the cable TV days where they just made season after season long past when anyone would have recommended it. But the first Two seasons of that show are incredible. They need that. This wasn't on my written list. This is, but this is being added to the must, must do in the off season. Watch at least like the first two seasons. Is of suits. Watching Suits right now. It's like one of the trending things on Netflix. Um, yeah. So where where do you start? Um, I'm a couple now? seasons behind on the Crown. Okay, 
So I'm going to start with my F1 themed thing that I definitely will do at some point in this off season. And that's go back and rewatch old races. I love to rewatch Brazil 2021. That is a personal favorite for me to just plop on and feel some good feelings. Uh, but F1 also uploads a ton of F1 classics if you have F1 TV. So this is the time of year where I might like dive into one of those, pick something interesting, depending on what they serve to me on my F1 TV homepage. And as an aside, something that... Uh, I'm definitely planning on participating in, but F1 Multiviewer hosts watch parties for races during down weekends and down times of the season. So if you don't know what F1 races to go back and watch yourself, I'd recommend just like pop into an F1 Multiviewer watch party and watch along with a bunch of people. It feels like a race weekend, except it's a race from a really long time ago. Gives you yeah. that same camaraderie vibe. Yeah, and especially for those kind of like rewatches, you know exactly like you feel the build up in like a different way. Um, that's I have on my things to watch because they're my feel good, my go to races for whenever I need like a pick me up is either Monaco 2018 because Danny Rick winning Monaco is just like still feels good, will never not not feel good. Um, and Esty Besties first win at in Hungary in 2021. Like there's those two races just like do something to my brain that just make it feel like all warm and fuzzy and like so happy inside. Um, so those are definitely both on my rewatch just to go back to in the off season, especially when I'm really feeling like I need a good race weekend. Those that'll, that'll get me going and probably just make me miss it more, but we'll fill the void for a little while. Right. <laughs> All right, what's next on your list? Um, so I actually, this was a new discovery, and hopefully um, there will be more to come. Liam Lawson has started a YouTube channel. Okay, go He's off. He's his first video this weekend, and it's just, I'm now on YouTube. I He's not doing Vlogmas. I wish he was. Um, so, but I'm excited to see kind of if he uploads more in the off season what this will be and turn into i'm all for drivers doing their own kind of bts content so seeing yes. drivers expand into that way at all and particularly drivers like going the youtube channel route when everyone's going the short form route and i am hi welcome to our podcast that we also talk all the time is available on youtube we love that so it was really cool to see coming up on my recommended. I have a YouTube channel. I'm like, that's Liam Lawson's face. This is Liam Lawson's YouTube channel. So this is not a, I guess this is a plug that's not prompted to, but go subscribe to Liam Lawson's YouTube channel after you subscribe to our YouTube channel. I didn't put this on my list. But you saying Vlogmas, like, triggered it in my brain. Like, the reality is, for the next 20 days, I'm going to just watch way too many hours of Vlogmas videos on YouTube. Like, how am I filling the void for at least the next 20 days? Vlogmas. Thank you, you all. All of you. <laughs> no. I, I don't care to explain it to you if you don't know what Vlogmas is. Go look it up. But thank you to all the content creators out there who are doing the the Lord's work and creating Vlogmas content for us to consume. Um, but my actual third thing is, if you really want to know what I'm doing on Sundays now, 
is I'm really just screaming about the Philadelphia Eagles. And that actually isn't just exclusive to Sundays. That's pretty much every day of the week and uh, all the time. So, like, how am I filling my time until F1 comes back? F1 for me started as a deep obsession when I learned that its schedule pretty much counter-programmed the NFL season. So guess what? The Super Bowl is early February. Guess when F1 testing comes back? Probably about mid-February. So it is the perfect filler. And if this, if you haven't gotten into the NFL, I don't know if I'd recommend it, but if you're going to and you want to get into the NFL, go Birds. This is also where I say... So like not we haven't started our official I mean on our short form we started our like wrap ups of the year but I highly encourage if anyone has ever had somebody say to you you got to watch this you got to listen to this you got to read this you got to do this and for like the longest time you're just like no 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 take this year as a lesson that you should do it because I this year have consumed all of Star Wars and Brianna had Taylor Swift as her number one artist on Apple Music. And if you said that to either of us a year ago, neither of us would have believed you. And sometimes you can just let in content that other people tell you is good. <laughs> That's such a funny point. You're right. You did watch all of Star Wars and, I, and Taylor Swift was my top artist of the year. And neither of those things would have been on my 2023 bingo card. Like, at all. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, speaking of, by the way, I don't remember whose turn it is. I think it's yours. But I'll throw in there that one of my things that anyone should do in this downtime is if you have not watched Star Wars The Clone Wars, which is seven seasons of television on Disney+, Plus. now's the time. You have a lot of time. If you are a Star Wars fan and you haven't watched Clone Wars, you're missing out. Go watch Clone Wars. And uh, this is now when I also tell Brianna to watch the Barbie movie and to watch Ted Lasso. Please. Literally. I like can't, it can't even be one or or the other you have to watch both it like pains me inside that those are two pieces of content you have not consumed it doesn't make any sense it's counter to who i am as a person you're right okay the barbie movie is literally on my weekend watch list and no i haven't nicole you know this but filling people in listening to us. I haven't watched the Barbie movie because I wanted to be able to talk about it on the podcast and we weren't talking about struck work uh, during the strike. So I just didn't have an incentive to like, do it and get it done. But now we can talk about it on the podcast. So I'll watch the Barbie movie. Um, I have no real excuse for Ted Lasso, but I'll do it. Aye, aye, Captain. You watched all of Star Wars. So I feel like I can do these two easy things. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and so good. So good. I literally, the Barbie movie is going to be on max like next week. I bought it. I own it. I gave Apple my money <laughs> and I, cause I couldn't even wait. I, so you just please. Yep. Oh, this reminds me as a sidebar, um, Box Lunch is having an incredible like pre-Christmas nope, sale. No. And I bring this up. 
Box Lunch can't okay. have any sales ever. They can't. I okay, can't. you keep your ears plugged, but I'm going to tell everyone listening to the podcast that, like, if you, like, want a Lightning McQueen racing jacket or a cool pod racer racing jacket or a Barbie racing jacket, these are all things that exist on Box Lunch. And last time I checked, they were having some really incredible sales on it for the end of year. So I'm just, like, hinting to anyone that, like, might want that that's not Nicole Katz because I'm not telling Nicole Katz this. I'm going to walk the entire car cinematic universe during the F1 off season. That's what I'm going to do. 100%. And then I'm going to go on an entire internet deep dive about everyone talking about how Lightning McQueen doesn't deserve XYZ championships. So basically what I do in my real life, I'm also going to do in the fake world. (laughs) And then I'll come back to F1 and do it all over again. So, <laughs> I'm laughing because I know you're not joking. Yeah, 100%. All very real. Nicole's going to come at some point in this offseason and is like, we're going to launch season two with a full segment on a breakdown of the car cinematic universe. And I'm just going to be like, aye, aye, Captain, let's do it. It will happen. 2024, Cat's <laughs> Gossip Grid, literally in the Piston Cup Grid or wherever. Any of it, Radiator <laughs> Springs. Oh, God. So do you have any other recommendations to put on your off-season list? Um, If you haven't, like, watched it yet, it seems really obvious, but go watch the Braun GP documentary series. It's really, like, enjoyable, high-quality content. Also really fun to have, like, your family members around that maybe, you know, aren't super into F1. My dad thought it was the most miraculous story because he didn't know anything about F1. So when you be like, a team sold for a dollar, it like breaks people's brains. Um, the other thing I really, really, really think and would be go, a fun And go watch our reaction. After you watch the Braun GP documentary, go watch our watch or listen to our reaction. Okay, sorry, Nicole. What's the no, other thing? Please, of course. Yes, so we have to plug our own content because um, I'm about to plug a different YouTube content. If you are missing your favorite F1 drivers, I cannot high, like recommend enough going to the GQ Sports YouTube channel. The amount of really fun content they do Ooh. with like Danny Rick and Alex and Logan and Lando, Max, George, like Oscar, Esty Bestie. You can watch their 10 things they can't live about, them responding anonymously to questions online and them all discussing all of the exact same racing movies that they discuss in every single interview because you just need to hear what every single F1 driver has to say about Rush. So go watch it when you're missing them and it'll really fill the void, but they just produce really great online content. So shout out to GQ sports always. Anything else you got to last minute rest? No, but I will use this opportunity to do a formal plug of our podcast. I know that normally a lot of F1 podcasts or sports podcasts in general will take the off season off. Um, You are going to have a Gridwalk episode from us every single week through the holidays, through the off season. Uh, We are here for you every Thursday. Selfishly, like I get sad. Like I love when people get to take breaks, but I get sad when my favorite podcasts don't have episodes. So we will have an episode for you every single week to keep you entertained and keep that like F1 fix bubbling in the off season. Like we're still going to be here talking about F1. 
Yellow Sector Notes, not the fastest walk around F1, but we will do a full lap around the paddock hitting every F1 garage. So we're going to start out today with the unfortunate news that the FIA have launched an investigation into uh, just misogynistic opinions about Susie Wolf. So essentially a publication put out an opinion piece about Susie Wolf that was rooted in so much deep sexism. And then the FIA said, you know what we could do with our time? Let's just waste time investigating unfounded opinion claims from someone who all their publication seems to do online is put out sexist, misogynistic, and racist statements. Uh, we didn't do a segment on this today because there was really nothing else to say besides this is all misogyny. Of course, we don't agree with it. And the fact that we have to waste energy even telling you all that we don't agree with it tells you enough about the F1 space at large. Um, I think the quotes that Susie and Mercedes have put out about this, uh, it's Tuesday, December 5th today, um, are strong. And I appreciate that they're strong and they're calling a spade a spade. They're not beating around the bush saying like, oh, we will do due process. Like, no, the Susie Wolf specifically said this is rooted in sexism and misogyny and it's not okay because it's not okay. Uh, when this is all resolved, um, if it's a big enough deal, we'll do a segment discussing it then, but we will probably just say the same thing, which is this shouldn't have happened. This is an absolute waste of time. The only reason this is happening is because we still have a large amount of leadership, particularly, well, I mean, in all of F1, but in the, this investigation was launched by the FIA that are very sexist. So the fact that there are conflicts of interest all through the FIA don't matter. Most of the FIA used to work at Ferrari, but we don't hear people screaming about that. But no, a woman gets a job and how dare she also have a husband is the general gist of this. So yeah, I'm pissed, but there's not really a lot to say about it other than why are we still here? It is 2024 and this is still happening. Yeah, uh, you summed it up beautifully, and I. the only thing I would like to add is any sort of legitimacy of, like, putting an investigation together and looking into these things just belittles any of the work and ethic of Susie Wolf, and it's just a shame. It's just, it's a bigger disappointment how it's not a surprise that right. this is something. And uh, that's it. So it's gross. Don't think it's right. But that's just, we want to make sure that that was a clear. Our clear, our stance was clear on that. Well, moving on to the rest of the Yellow Sector notes. Uh, Red Bull and Alphatari drivers attended Honda Thanks Day this past week. George officially joins Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, Checo Perez, and Valtteri Bottas as the drivers with Funko Pops. His hair does look incredible in his Funko Pop. I have to give it to the Funko Pop crew. Nice job. Uh, Charles Leclerc played piano virtually in an ad for Facebook's VR headset. McLaren announced a new hire, Stephanie Carlin, as their F1 Business Operations Director. She's going to start January of 2024. She is joining from the Roden Carlin team, where she was the team principal of their F3 and F1 Academy teams, as well as the team principal of the Team X44 in Extreme Heat. So she seems to have a wealth of experience, and she's getting a really big director role in the McLaren team. Pierre announced this week that he's a new Make-A-Wish ambassador. Alex Albon has continued his string of interviews where he's really opening up about his time at Red Bull. Valdry Bottas announced that his nude calendar raised over $150,000 for the men's health charity Movember. 
Nicole contributed to that. So if you bought a calendar, you really helped him raise an incredible sum for charity this month. Yes, the nude Botas calendar. Uh, and lastly, Mick Schumacher confirmed in an interview with F1 that the timeline we all predicted last year was correct. Haas did not tell him he was going to be losing his seat right until the, fi the final race of last year, leaving him no time to attempt to negotiate a seat with a different team. And that is a grid walk for December 7th, 2023 completed. How was my sector time today, Nicole? Faster than the F1 news cycle picked up. Thank you to voiceover man. Thank you to our four-legged executive producers. And uh, who, who do we feel like thanking this week? Uh... All of you for tuning in to an off-season episode. Thank you. All... Yeah. <laughs> tuning yeah. into an off-season episode. Because we're really, we're feeling it. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, like this video, click that little thumbs up button, leave us a comment. Let us know. Are you surprised about Logan keeping his seat? Are you not surprised? Do you think there's going to be any other seat rearranging before the start of the season? Or are we going to have this exact same grid? Let us know in the comments below. Also, what content are you binging? Let us know your what's on your much watch list. I'm always looking to add to mine. If you're an audio listener, don't forget to follow, turn on auto downloads, rate and review the pod. All of these things really, really help other people find our podcast. And we really appreciate you doing them. And that's why every other podcast also asks you to do them too. You can also join us for daily grid walks on all social media platforms. Follow us at Gridwalk Show on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Threads. Right now we're doing 23 podiums for the 23 F1 season, so definitely go check those out. They're a lot of fun. We will be back to walk the Formula One grid every Thursday, even in the offseason, and we sincerely hope you join us. But today felt like grid zoomies and not a grid walk. Fueled by the energy drinks.